0: everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I am bringing you the weekend warm-up, our show to get you primed and ready for the weekend each and every week. Uh, we're going to touch on some things. Uh, of course, always uh, everything revolves around Bayern Munich here, but we're also going to touch a little bit on the Euros and how things shook out with the finale last weekend. Uh, so let's get right to it, and we'll start there. Obviously, Italy pulled out the dramatic PK victory over England. And uh, I guess you have to say that the best team in the tournament won. And I think Italy, from start to finish, was the most stable, most consistent uh, squad in the entire tournament. And I have to be honest, they played the most like a team. Uh, in fact, I mean, it's hard to really say much bad about them. The individual talent that we saw uh, on the pitch for Italy was great, how cohesive they were uh from the beginning of the tournament until the end uh it really showed and i think that was the biggest difference uh they just looked like a team everyone was invested in the same end goal seemed like the players had full belief in the manager and that everyone was on the same page and i think you could easily say that not uh, you know it was very rare in this tournament that many other sides were on the same page i think we saw I don't want to call it bickering, but some disagreements or unhappiness in squads like Germany, France, England, uh, among some of the, the other contenders. Uh, it's it, it was just really interesting to watch because Italy, in and of itself, I mean, this was not a dominant-looking team. I mean, they had some very good talent. Uh, they had a great mix of veterans and youth. They had a very good manager. But I never won at any point that I feel like this was a dominant side. And I've taken some heat for saying that. But, I mean, in reality, like, this isn't like a juggernaut squad. This is a very good team. And while, you know, this tournament didn't exactly feature any juggernauts by any means, Italy was the best one. And uh, they deserve all the credit in the world. And I think when you look at that back line and how solid they were from the beginning of the tournament until the end with Cialini, uh, obviously leading the way. Uh, Bonucci also had a tremendous tournament. Uh, you know, they had a good foundation. Uh, they were strong up the middle with Marco Verratti, and, among others. And, you know, offensively, uh, while we didn't see uh, Ciro Immobile take over like many thought he would, they had such a balanced attack and the threat of Federico Chiesa. Uh, wherever he was on the pitch was just enough to keep every defense off balance. So uh, big credit to Italy. They went out, they played like the best team and they won it. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the focus since the game ended has been on one, the, uh, the selection of the PK order from Gareth Southgate with England, which was uh, a joke. It was, it was not well conceived. I don't really know why he would have aligned the players like that. Obviously, it has nothing to do with the individual talent of the players, but uh, you know Rashford and Sancho were two players that weren't really counted on for the entirety of the tournament. And uh, Saka was obviously another guy. He was a young kid, and to put him uh, in the fifth spot with the potential to have it come down to him was just, it was not wise. And I think it's, it's very fair to challenge Southgate and criticize him uh, after that. It's just unfortunate everything that happened afterward. I mean, obviously, it's a sport. Mistakes are going to happen. Uh, Players are not going to perform all the time. Uh, They're going to fail more often than they are going to succeed. Unfortunately for uh, the players from England, they did it on uh, one of the biggest stages of their sport. And in turn, we saw the ugly side of things as the English fans took to social media, got online, and, and some of them uh, acted like idiots. I, don't, I, I never want to paint everyone in a fan base with a, with a broad brush. Obviously, being from Philadelphia, I get that almost all the time. Basically, every day in, in the United States, you can flip on ESPN or Fox Sports or any sports talk radio and you can hear some veiled shot at Philadelphia, assuming that all fans are idiots and you know throw snowballs at Santa Claus and batteries at players and all that nonsense. Uh, when in reality, there are morons in every crowd and every fan base. And unfortunately, social media and the Internet have empowered people to go online anonymously, or so they think, and harass people and put out just totally idiotic opinions and statements. It's really a shame. It takes away from... Uh, The good fans that are out there, the good supporters and, you know, English fans throughout this tournament took a lot of heat. There was the nonsense with uh, booing the national anthems for various teams. Uh, And yes, uh, the fans that do that deserve the criticism, uh, all the criticism that they got. But you you absolutely cannot uh, assume that every fan is like that because it's just not true. Uh, But unfortunately, in this case, um, you know, the English fans came off looking very poorly because of a select few that decided to act like idiots. And it's a shame because it took away from a great run that they had. Uh, But this is certainly one story that will go down in English football history uh, that will have its own chapter as Southgate just uh, not only put out a, a, a really silly PK lineup, but Um, I would assume with the way that England played after they scored that opening goal that they were instructed to sit back a little and take their foot off the gas. And it's just kind of ironic because it is the same reason that England was able to get by Germany uh, because Yogi Love had Germany slow down their pace. So everyone remembers the first 12 to 15 minutes of that match where Germany looked pretty dominant. And then for whatever reason, they decided to change the pace of play to a more methodical style, which just gave England all the energy in the world. And of course, England came back and won that game. So I thought it was kind of odd uh, that Southgate, after seeing that, made that mistake on his own. I did not think England was anywhere near as aggressive as they should have been throughout the game. They never really pursued getting that second goal as much as they strived to keep Italy from scoring. With a team like Italy, though, that was going to be very tough just because of the overall talent on the team and the way that they had played to that point. I don't think you can underestimate enough the uh, level of confidence that Italy had and the never-say-die attitude that they showed from start to finish. So big credit to them. Uh, Our guys, Jake and Tom, are going to have a podcast come out this weekend uh, that covers a lot of the hot topics of the Euros, and really it's going to be a fun and in-depth show, so I highly recommend that you guys check that out. Uh, That'll probably be posted Saturday or Sunday, I would assume it's going to be Sunday, but uh, I think it'll be great, and it'll give you guys all some time to uh, get your thoughts together, hear what they have to say, and, uh, and react to it, because I think they've got a lot of good things planned, and you're gonna hear some good insight as to uh, what players really impacted the tournament and how things might look heading into the World Cup next year. So let's transition over to Bayern Munich. And, uh, you know, this is obviously a big point. Uh, In the preseason for Bayern, uh, Julian Nagelsmann is working with a lot of young players, uh, a lot of the players that were not on international duty. So he's getting a chance to get a head start with them. And uh, obviously things are going well right now by all reports. Uh, Nagelsmann obviously is a a world-class coach and teacher. So being able to get some extra time with the young players, I'm sure, is extremely valuable to him. Uh, Some of those veterans or players that were on international duty uh, that will be coming back are surely going to be integrated into the mix. Uh, But we'll get a chance to uh, see what's going on. Byron has a friendly coming up with Cologne, among other teams. So We'll see how things are going and how the squad is reacting to Nagelsmann at this point early in preseason. The big story we saw this week, again, revolved around Robert Lewandowski and his alleged desire to transfer away. And some of the reports that we saw over the past week... Uh, were little things like Lewandowski feels like he has uh, achieved everything he can at Bayern Munich. He's looking for a new challenge. Obviously, these are all little things that you start to hear when a player is involved in contract negotiations. Uh, so you know the the capper on all of the stories that we saw was that uh, Pini Zahavi, uh, Lewandowski's agent, is going to be meeting with the Bayern Munich brass at some point in the near future to discuss an extension. Which, as we all know, this was always the end, uh, the end game here. All of these transfer stories, all of the leaks that we saw about Lewandowski wanting a new challenge, or, or feeling like he's achieved everything at Bayern Munich, the end goal is probably for him to get a new deal with Bayern Munich, and the fastest, easiest way to get that is to threaten leaving, and that, and that is why a player like Lewandowski hires an agent like Pini Zahavi because, if. If you need to get something done, you need pressure, you need someone with connections, and obviously Zahavi has done that just in the past few weeks. We've seen Lewandowski linked to Chelsea. We've seen him linked to Real Madrid, and, and most recently to Manchester City. And obviously those three clubs in particular have some deep pockets with money to spend. Uh, the scenario for each club is is kind of crazy. Obviously for Manchester City, it's really just about having the money to go out and buy Lewandowski, For Chelsea, it's kind of the same deal that they can afford him, so why not? For Real Madrid, it's been posed that Lewandowski is a fallback option should the club not be able to reach an agreement to acquire Kylian Mbappe, which, again, that's a long shot in and of itself. So while a lot of people are reading into these rumors, I I don't know at this point if there's any reason for concern. You know, a couple of years back, I believe it was 2018, when we were going through all of this and the links to Real Madrid, uh, you know, Lewandowski had he was going through some things at the club. I think he was frustrated, uh, not just um, with the club's play at the time, but uh, just the general direction. You have to remember at that point, you know, Bayern Munich had uh, they had made some questionable hires with their coaches Uh, The club, while still a great, great team, was kind of directionless in in Europe. And what I mean by that is, while they were good, I don't know that they were necessarily ever like a threat or the favorite to go out and win a Champions League. I think it's safe to say that now, even with the coaching changes that they've had, uh, Bayern Munich is as much a threat as any other club. Uh, The issue for Bayern at this point will be how they integrate in under Julian Nagelsmann. And they are able to build up some depth with having little to no financial budget to work with. So, um, you know, Lewandowski, he is one of the players that the club no doubt has targeted to extend. But with so many key players up at this point uh, and needing contract extensions or decisions on their future, uh, it's got to be tough for Brazo and the Bayern Munich board to be able to get everything done in a timely manner. I mean, you have Yashua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coleman, and Niklas Sula, uh, Quarantan Taliso, among others. All of those players, they're having their futures examined at this point. So, um, you know, in addition to the board getting some other smaller deals done, like Sven Ulreich, uh it, it's just tough. So I don't expect Lewandowski to go anywhere. I do expect Bayern within the next year or two to start looking for a post Lewandowski plan. I had always hoped that it would be uh, Erling Haaland, but at this point, it just seems like there's going to be a little too much overlap between the end of Lewandowski's career and Haaland needing to leave Borussia Dortmund. Uh, So I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I can assure you, if the possibility was there, if Holland is available for $75 million next summer, which by all accounts he will be, uh, I, I think you have to find a way to make it happen. I don't care if you have to play two strikers. I really don't. Um, I think that highly of Holland, but I also recognize that Lewandowski at this point is the greatest striker on earth at the moment. So it's just a very delicate situation, and it's a very tenuous time for Bayern Munich to, to have to plan for the future, while keeping the current team competitive uh, in Europe. And just by having Lewandowski, you guarantee that. He is that good, and he has been that good, and he's in such good physical shape. It's hard to even think when he will slow down. So uh, I don't envy the Bayern board in having to examine the situation and think about how long they need to extend him versus how, how interested they really are in Erling Haaland and what he's worth and what he could be worth to the club. Uh, you know, as it, as the club plans uh, strategically for its future. So uh, I'm, you know, I'll be fascinated to see how it plays out. Uh, but it just looks like at this point that Holland is, is more destined for Real Madrid or Chelsea uh, in the summer of 2022, unfortunately. Uh, a couple of other stories that, that, that came out. Uh, one of the ones that kind of broke late was that it seems like... Uh, Bayern Munich has uh, taken a couple of weeks. They've looked at uh, Mikel Cuéllar, and uh, you know they have kind of decided that he is probably not in their future, which is unfortunate. Uh, I've talked quite a few times about um, you know this kid's talent. Uh, in fact, I think we just talked about it last week. Uh, he's got some in great individual, right left foot. Uh, he just is uh, an attitude problem, by all accounts, and and you know what we've seen in the latest report is that the club is just not happy with his mentality and his attitude, and it's a real shame. I mean, this was a kid who I think you could really argue Bayern should have never acquired him in the first place. I mean, they they simply had no room for him when they when they made the acquisition, and from there his development as a player has really stunted, and and unfortunately. I mean, to me, if I'm a young player, I think really closely about going to Bayern Munich because it seems like uh, when you're a young and talented player, that's where you go if you want to be stunted in your growth. I mean, just think of some of the recent examples. uh, And and yeah, yeah, I know you could look on both sides of the fence and say that, you know, a player like Alfonso Davies has thrived uh, and he's young. And you've, you know, you've seen some other good examples of that come through, like Jamal Musiala, but you know, you've know, you had Renato Sanchez come through, you've had Fita Arp come through, you've had Cuisance come through, you've had Xerxes come through. All of these players at one point or another have hit the wall, and it's hard to say, is it strictly on them as players, or is the developmental environment at Bayern Munich just not conducive to taking these young players and pushing them to get the most out of their talent and progress to the first team. Uh, you know, and, and it'll be, you know, it'll be fascinating to see uh, really, you know, how this all works because you've got some young players on campus who the who the club really likes. Uh, Christopher Scott, Jamie Lawrence, Armindio Sieb. Uh, these are all players that... Um, that the club likes these are talented young guys and uh you know it'll be interesting to see Torben Ryan is another one I mean can these players get enough experience get enough development at Bayern Munich to progress to the first team and if they don't um is there something going on at the campus that is not allowing that now granted getting to the first team at Bayern Munich is no easy task I mean look at the roster the, the starting 11 is just incredible. And you could argue that the top 13 or 14 players are, I mean, they're world-class. So it, I get that part of it where I get concerned is we just really haven't seen many players come up through the system, developing, get to the point where they can come in and establish themselves with the first team at all. I mean, we're not even getting, uh, young kids being able to make the first team roster and, uh, Really, be able to to make an impact as you know, starting as a sub or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think it's something to look at. It's unfortunate with Cuisance. Uh, you know, he's getting uh, interest from Galatasaray right now in Turkey, and that would be uh, a good place for him because I feel like he'd have the freedom to develop at his own pace, and they probably uh would be able to manage his mentality and attitude a little better uh maybe they could deal with a little more but uh you know cuisans also is a little high maintenance he wants to be in a top five league and it's it's fair to say right now is he a top five caliber player right now and i i don't know that you can say that uh going to marseille last year he he did not do well uh, and, you know, that was disappointing because that should have been a spot for him to be able to excel. And the fact that he couldn't there, um, know, it was disappointing. I, I'm not going to lie. I expected much more from him. And I think he does have talent, but it's just a matter of can he put it all together. And unfortunately for some young players, um, you know, with, with the way the youth development system is in any sport, you come through, you're talented, you're pampered, you're told how great you are. And when adversity strikes, some players don't know how to handle it. Some recoil, some quit, um, some get defiant. And I think right now what we see with Cuisance is that he's always been such a a prodigious talent that he has become a little defiant in thinking that his way is the right way or the only way, and it's not working. And uh, unless he changes his mindset and improves his attitude, unfortunately he could go down as one of these players that always had great talent but never put it together and you know that's the kind of player who eventually either ends up in the second division or they end up making a move over to mls uh which for Cuisance, you know i just think he's he's too good to do something like that but in the same breath he's not proving it on the pitch so you know if he was if he was lining up for the philadelphia union i probably would be kind of excited about it but uh that's where he's headed if he cannot get his act together so Let's let's follow that situation uh, pretty closely as he looks to get himself straight. And, you know, I know his end goal is to to win a roster spot under Nagelsmann, but it just doesn't appear like it's going to happen. The club by the reports that we've seen seem like they have their minds made up on him. And I guess we'll close it out with another uh, you know, to touch on something that we we really first hit last week and that was Federico Chiesa. And we've saw we've, you know, we first heard those reports that Byron was interested in him. Then we heard the reports that Nagelsmann was a big fan of his. And the latest thing that we've seen is that and I, I cannot believe this. For the life of me, I just cannot believe it that Bayern had bid eighty million on him and they were rejected by Juventus. It's impossible. There is no way Bayern does not have the budget to do that. Now, is he worth the eighty million? Absolutely, he's worth more than that. I think he is such a dynamic talent. He's the perfect Bayern winger. Um, But uh, you know, this is all kind of crazy. You know, we've seen now Chelsea has jumped into that mix and they've offered eighty-five, and Juventus has rejected that. Uh, Simply put, Bayern could not get into a bidding war with any of these big clubs, Uh, and I don't think Juventus is interested in and having the kid that is probably the best relatively young offensive talent in Italy, and uh, I don't think they're interested in shipping him off at all. I think they want to maximize the hype around him uh, and use him as a cornerstone player for the future. I'm a huge fan of the kid. I think he's 23 now, and I think he's got such a bright future. So uh, while we may see uh, stories about Byron being interested uh i can't see at least in this contract cycle for the player that byron has any shot of landing him so uh for those of you who were you know carrying that pipe dream a little bit i don't i don't think we're going to see that as much as we all would like to uh see chiesa wearing uh byron red at the Allianz arena so uh we'll have to forget that one but uh you know once again i'll tell you please uh you know, Check out Tom and Jake's uh, podcast that's going to be released. It, you can get your final Euro fix out. They are going to talk everything Euros. some really fascinating categories of things that they're going to discuss. And uh, I know I, for one, will be listening to it. I was a little disappointed I couldn't get on with them to uh, give my takes on on what their discussion topics were, but, uh, you know, timing didn't work out for me. So I will definitely be tuning in and listening to those guys. Always enjoy hearing them. So, uh, thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can catch me on Twitter at the barrel blog. I love hearing from you guys. Uh, you know, keep listening, keep reading our stuff over at Bavarian football works. We enjoy the interaction with the community and those of you who aren't in the BFW community, please join. Uh, we love having you there. And, uh, like to get everyone's feedback and opinions on all things Bayern, Munich, and Germany. So thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week.